Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Active Optimist podcast. This is Arena, your host, the Active Optimist. With everything I do, I want you to believe that you don't have to be depressed forever. I truly believe that depression is the ultimate cry for help, not for happiness, but for connection back to ourselves and what truly matters. I'm here each week to support you, bring community, and give you daily actions to address the social, psychological, and biological causes of depression so that you can step into the life you know you're meant to lead. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to Felicity's episode. If you haven't yet, really, really, I encourage you to listen to that right after this one. It was so amazing. Thank you so much, Felicity, for all your transparency, for your courage and sharing your story. I know so many people felt comfort, saw themselves in your story, and just overall felt not alone because that's something, that's a lie that we tell ourselves a lot. That's a lie that depression likes to tell us. And at the end of the day, we're never alone, really. And if we are alone, it's so much easier to reach out than we imagine in our heads reaching out often seems like a mountain when it's really just a small little bump that doesn't actually take as much energy as we you know think it that it does and that we make it out to be yeah so check out felicity's episode after this one if you haven't listened to it so in today's episode we will be talking about core emotions and are disallowing ourselves to feel our true emotions our core emotions and why they're important And also the idea or the lie that we have about ourselves that there is only one right way to be and generally that way is to be smaller than our whole self and to deny a part of ourselves that doesn't seem very good or doesn't seem acceptable or just is a little weird, a little ugly and unwanted. And then last but not least, I'm going to be talking about what we can do about all these thoughts and how I have battled these thoughts and tried to outgrow these thoughts, even though this is something that I still struggle with. And I wouldn't be saying this if I hadn't struggled through it and have grown from it or grown a little bit from it. But I just want to say that I do struggle with all the things that I more or less talk about. However, it just gets easier and easier every day. Maybe right now you have to really focus on this every single day, every single hour. But the more you practice, the more it becomes natural and the more that habit builds. So then you only have to remind yourself to change your mindset every week, every month, and then it grows and grows. And the difference in the time between us checking in with ourselves expands and it becomes a habit and it takes away the power of these negative voices that we have that will always be there and are just a part of being human. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So core emotions are very, very important because they are built into our DNA. They are the emotions that lead us, that are that lead our joys, our desires, our fears, and really dictate how we act in the world and also are very physical in their responses. They are innate emotions that we are born with. These emotions are fear, anger, sadness, disgust, joy, excitement, and sexual excitement. And none of these can be a goal for anything. They're all a byproduct of what is happening around and within us. 
And this is commonly understood with fear, anger, and sadness. We understand that those cannot be pursued. You can't try to be sad, nor do we try to be sad. They are just a product of what is happening to us or within us or around us. It is not a goal for anything that we do. We just are sad and we feel that physically. We get tears in our eyes. We have a sinking in our heart. We may feel there's a hole in our stomach. And this is with all these innate emotions. I just want to point out that joy is part of them and excitement is part of them. And I think a lot of times in our society, our joy and excitement, another word for that or a sister word is happiness. And we just have to remember that happiness cannot be our goal in anything. Happiness is a byproduct of what we do and it cannot be pursued which is very important because oftentimes when people talk to depressed people, they're like, try to be happy, have happy thoughts, have positive thoughts, which they are said in a very, you know, in a place of love, in a place of compassion. However, I think they disregard that happiness or joy and excitement are byproducts of what is happening to us, of how we're thinking, of what is happening within us. And yes, we can reach for joy, we can reach for excitement and that's more of an opening up for joy and excitement which often depression stops. Depression often closes us off from feeling joy, feeling excited. So reaching for that is very good in practicing being open to joyful circumstance without having these negative thoughts of shame, of guilt, or of disapproval. Tamper them. So back to all these core emotions, they must be honored and shouldn't be seen as bad. As children, we are often shamed for having these emotions from our parents. The way that anger, grief, disgust, fear often can come out as socially unacceptable from our parents or our parents will brush us off when being scared, when we feel scared as a kid with something that they wouldn't find scary. When they're unable to attend to these feelings, then when we feel shut out from them, we either shut down these emotions, we feel shameful for even feeling them, we feel guilty for feeling them, and we kind of block the true feeling of true expression of all these emotions, even joy, even excitement. You see a kid really joyful and excited, they get a little crazy, like they start jumping up and down, they're yelling, screaming, in joy and in excitement. However, it's kind of disrupting to what our society thinks of as acceptable ways of showing joy and excitement. So that's often dampened down. So it happens with all these emotions and it's just a fact of being in society. So I'm not saying this is bad, but we do have to, as people growing up, who want to be not shut down, not blocked, not being able to feel these and more or less being numb to it or being shamed of it and just shutting down, we have to learn how to express these emotions through the body in a productive way, in a way that doesn't cause damage, isn't destructive to us or to other people. And core emotions must be felt in order to get to an open-hearted state to get to be calm and curious and connected and compassionate and confident. Without tapping into these core emotions, we are often just numb and anxious and shameful and guilty because of the disapproval of our true emotional self, we kind of get the sense that we are a bad person. 
And this goes to the idea of there's only one right way to be, and that way to be is generally being smaller than you are. And it's the whole desire and the idea that you want to be like other people and you want to be loved. When we are little, that's all we want it. We want it to be loved by our parents and we want it to be like the other people. And as we grow, we obviously get farther and farther away from the idea that we have to be like all the other kids in our kindergarten class. But I really believe that in some way, shape, or form, we remember that desire. What really broke this open to me is talking about my parents and asking myself, which parent of my father and my mother did I crave love from more? Not which parent I loved more, but which parent did I crave love from more? And then who did I have to be to get this love from them? And in my circumstance, the person that I craved love from more, the parent that I craved love from more, was my mother. And who I felt that I had to be was very obedient and really on the straight and narrow, not doing anything, putting my head down and doing my work, just following the rules and doing everything she asked. The idea of obedience was very strong and I felt that I need to be super obedient and not voice my own opinion or not even say no I didn't want to do that if I really wanted to be the person that they would love and I really do believe that we all have that and I'm not saying that it's true because I've talked to my mom about this and her perspective says a totally different story but at the end of the day our own individual perspectives make up our reality even if your parents don't see that have never seen that because their perspective is totally different than yours, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. That doesn't mean your perspective is wrong. Your perspective is your reality, just as their perspective is their own reality. And sometimes that reality may clash, and I'm still trying to live through it and figure out who I can be moving away from that idea that I have to be small and obedient for my mother to love me because I know intellectually that obviously isn't the whole truth and each of every one of us has a different relationship with our parents but most people I think have some pressure from their parents to live up to some expectation of whatever that is and as we get older and older just like me as we get older I saw the disparities between who I was and who my parent wanted to be more and more and again, for me, for both of my parents, I often felt the pressure not to talk about my achievements or else I would sound boastful. And I would be very uncomfortable bragging or telling people what I do because often what I did, what I studied in college, what I'm doing through now, isn't on the straight and narrow path. And when I realized that the idea of being small and obedient was from childhood, I understood that's why I behave this way as an adult and that's why sometimes I feel guilty for even saying, oh yeah, I have a podcast in real life or when people ask me. Commonly, I just show enough so people know what I'm doing to be a little noticed but not hang it all out there. And in reality, I just want to be huge. And at the end of the day, I just want to say that whoever you are, you're wonderful, you're unique, you're worthy, and you are not 
made to partially show up or deny your true self because it's a little off-putting to other people and uncomfortable for them. Because when you deny a part of yourself, you're not able to truly live because you can't live a half of a self. You have to live a whole of yourself if you want to feel truly free, if you want to feel happy, if you want to feel joyful, if you want to feel true grief, true sadness, if you don't want to be numb. And just remember that every single day of your life, you choose who you want to be, who you are. You choose to continue going down the path that you are. You continue to choose to do the job that you're at, to go to the school that you're at, to eat the food that you're eating, to go to the gym or not go to the gym, to read that book, to listen to that podcast, to play those games to listen to that music you get to decide who you are every day you choose to be a college student who loves the reward of doing academically well or having that degree you choose to be you know a coffee shop connoisseur hipster you choose to be the high school tennis player that also loves to dance and eat organic food and what's really crazy and scary at the same time is no matter how long you've been doing this You can choose to stop being that person and you can choose to continue to be that person. And this is very dear to my heart because especially as a teenager, I felt that I had to continue the stuff because I had a reputation to maintain, a persona that I had to maintain that everyone expected me to be. I pressured to continue onto that path because it would just send everyone through a spiral of, oh, what's this girl? Who is she? Why did she just change one day? Is she crazy? Is she having a mental break? All these made up stories about what would happen if I totally flipped the script and just became a different person one day. If I stopped doing the sports that I was playing in high school, if I decided to change how I look, people would freak out and disapprove and be uncomfortable with me flipping the script especially with my family. So I just want to break down two things that have helped me. One is the willingness to offend, not meaning to, you know, curse someone out, tell a bunch of inappropriate jokes to people, but the willingness to make people uncomfortable about who you are when you show up as your true self and focusing on yourself. Embrace the reality and the idea that not everyone can understand or approve of you, and not everyone has to. This is hard when you are socialized to be a good girl or a people pleaser, which I definitely have been. I've definitely been socialized as a good girl, and I do have kind of that persona still. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but also understand that some people won't like you or you can do things that won't please other people. Embrace that reality that not everyone has to understand what's happening with you. When you walk around and people don't understand you, just let it go because they don't have to understand you. You have to understand you and the people that are your people, the people that will understand you, that will accept you, that will support you, that are like you, will find you and you'll find them and they will approve of you, and they will offer you community and love and all the things that we want. And another thing that has helped me is not carrying around my mental state, my intelligence, or any other fault or disability that I have as a crutch that makes me 
lesser or harder to like than others. When in reality, most people or all people who like you for you will look beyond that, whatever it is. And oftentimes they don't even care really. And it makes you you if, for example, it was more of a character type disability or having depression or any other type of thing. So let me break this down. For example, when I was a kid, was diagnosed with slight dyslexia. So that means that it was harder for me to read. I wasn't reading properly. I was really bad at vocabulary. I was really bad at grammar. I wasn't that great at writing. The ideas that were in my head didn't translate well onto paper. And what was on the paper, I didn't absorb the right way. And depression, just like dyslexia, the things that happen because of this mental state are real. I'm not saying that the thought that, oh, it's harder to make friends because I'm depressed is not true. Just like it was harder for me to write a paper because I was partially dyslexic was true. Both of these are true. However, oftentimes I think that we use our mental state or our intelligence or lack thereof or disability as an excuse to stay in a negative spiral to think negative thoughts, to not do as well as we possibly can, and to use it as evidence of what has gone wrong and take responsibility of our situation away from ourselves and place it on that disability, on depression. Because at the end of the day, when we say that, oh, my dyslexia, oh, my depression, what's the cause of all these things? We are not accepting ourselves for who we are and said we are still playing to that right way to be, to that person that we are supposed to be. And for me, when I accepted, oh, my brain works different than other people, I do have to really focus on my writing. I might have to edit a paper 10 times when someone can decide, do I want to put that much effort in it or do I not? Sometimes it's better to just play up your strengths. Oh, I'm not that good at writing. Choose your battles based on what you find is important, and who you want to be. Just own who you are. Don't see your depression. Don't see it as something that sets you behind from everyone else. Because we're on our own journey. When we're depressed, what we need to do in this moment is take care of ourselves to focus on our mental health, to focus on our body, to focus on what we're doing and what we're not doing. And that's where you are and that's where you need to be. Even if that means that you drop out of school for a semester or two, whatever that means to you, that's where you need to be. And that's where you should focus instead of focusing on what should I be doing to stay on the path of being a good person. Not pushing yourself through school and killing yourself, hurting your mental health even more because your parents expect you to graduate in four years. And obviously some people, you can't do that if you have like a scholarship or whatever, if you have a scholarship or whatever, but that's just an example. At the end of the day, you are you and you are unique and your path is unique. And feeling those emotions does not make you a bad person, even if it was disapproved by our parents, by our growing up, by our culture. Obviously, keep it safe. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt other people. But besides that, Grief is grief, sadness is sadness, tears are tears, anger is anger. But by truly feeling that, then we can really work on 
moving blocks and retelling stories about what is a good person, what is a bad person, and just start, you know, accepting ourselves as we are. Start living big and start showing up as our true self. So that's the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Action of the week today is to ask yourself what I asked myself and what I read. So take it out of pen and paper and ask yourself, which parent did you crave love from more? Not which parent did you love more, but which parent did you crave love from more? And then ask yourself, who did you have to be for that parent to get that love? And then ask yourself again, what else did you have to be? And just see what comes up. See if that makes any sense in your life. Let me know if you have any questions. As always, I am available on Instagram at Subsequently Depression or at Irina Erickson. Erickson with a C-K-S-O-N. And yeah, hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you next Tuesday.